I blame Darren O'Neill. Hello and welcome to Grumpy Old Ben's. You're getting your kicks on episode 166 for Monday, June 7th, 2021. I'm Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where over the weekend, 53 people wounded, five dead. Yes, the summer is heating up. And from America's left coast, where tech employees are desperate to continue the pandemic as long as it means they don't have to shower before work. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Or go into work. That is that's well, the other they, big one, isn't yes, it? Like afraid of that, people. That's kind of the story. But I figure, you know, why would you not want to go into work unless it's because you just they're like, I, I enjoy my smell right now. <laughs> Where most of the people I mean, I know that the nerds, the programmers uh, get a bad rap for being, you know, totally introverted and very awkward. Was that kind of the overall vibe when you worked at the uh, big bad microsoft or is that uh, introverted and awkward hell yes but okay. when we were in the office people did shower well see well no well, most of good. them most of them Wh- did. while you did you shower while in the office was that kind of uh, sometimes uh, <laughs> every every building had every building had the there was one uh bathroom usually in the parking garage or somewhere that had a full suite of showers for the people who arrived at work on bicycle or or went to the gym before work and I guess didn't shower at the gym. I'm not sure. Or they just really never wanted to go home. May, you know, actually, I think that that happened a lot, especially during Vista. We, we were I, I, I made the transition from I, I did contract work uh, during Windows Vista and I was pulling down some crazy paychecks because I was hourly and we were putting in 60 to 80 hours a week. And then uh, in in a classic trap that I did not recognize because I was still too a little too naive, uh, they said, "How would you like to go salaried?" I'm like, "Sure, that sounds like uh, you know really good." And then they gave me a number, and that like, oh, yeah, this is. And uh, my effective hourly rate went down significantly when I went to salaried. Yes, salary means the death of overtime, and that is not a good thing. But that's how they get you. It's one of the ways. But of course, they probably so, they probably just put some shiny things in front of you like, oh, you'll have these perks and insurance and uh, whatever. So in case anybody else has no idea what we're talking about, which which actually is a feeling we try to engender on this show. It's the mystery uh, aspect. Uh, Tim Apple, uh, Tim Cook sent out a letter last week telling people that the pandemic is done and you have to come into the office at least three days a week, Monday, Tuesday and Thursday, which is a significant relaxation from. The pre 2020 Apple, which was no remote work period, unless you get super special dispensation and, you know, extra coin tokens or something. And, uh, you know, the, the, Apple has always been a company that really, really does not want people to re- work remotely. The, you really need to be in the office. And so the current policy being pushed is three days a week, you have to be in the office and there are enough whiny employees that they sent out a big open letter to Tim Apple saying uh, 
For inclusion and diversity to work, we have to recognize how different we all are. <laughs> and with those differences come different needs and different ways to thrive. So is showing up for work racism? I, it sounds like it. You're you're not respecting diversity by asking everybody to come into the office to work. Interest. Well, I can see that. But this the pandemic has definitely changed a lot of these cultures. And it's going to be interesting to see how they get back on track if they ever do. Because before COVID, there was a lot put into the experience at the office. I mean, I know there's different uh, and this in Silicon Valley. When you put showers in the basement so that people can live there. Well, that's one thing. I mean, and that doesn't sound that glamorous. Although they were probably nice enough showers. I mean, there's no, no, they they were nice enough showers and they were cleaned every day, but they weren't glamorous. The the especially when some of these programmer types were in it. Right. Yeah. You're like, close your eyes, the humanity, but the too much humanity on display. Yes. The whole work experience was like, Oh, well, we've got a Pac-Man machine and a foosball table and having everybody here having fun together. That adds into our whole ethos and and that makes us the best company and everybody is working like a team because we're all together. Unlimited free sugary beverages. Right. Or or non-sugary, I'm sure. Coffee as well. But, you know, they they push it all. They want to make it convenient. But this concept was that knowing your coworker, interacting physically with them in the same space was a big part of what made these companies thrive and do what they do best. Now that is either going to be proven or disproven because of COVID. I I can confirm that for most of the people that I worked with, you are more productive when you're in the office. And most people who transition to a work remotely, their productivity goes down. Even if they can bring it back up, it's definitely down for a couple months. Because Because, it's totally different. Well, it's and, you know, part of it is, uh, for example, where I'm sitting right now, I happen to be sitting in the same chair where I do my gaming, which means that it is a monumental effort of will whenever I want to do something productive here, because I'm like, ah, I could just go and launch a game or something, or I could, you know, try to do something useful. And uh, it's probably why I never get anything useful done. But it, it, it. Setting up like it, it is you have to put forth the extra effort to set up an office environment. And a lot of people who work from home seriously will have uh, two completely distinct workspaces, one for work and one for play. And uh, I, I it, a lot of people don't think about that. And it, it I, I just don't. It, it's a special person that has the ability to be as productive at home as they are in their office. Right. And it is a different mindset. Because when you're your own boss, and I've done this for years, you nobody's there to make sure you're starting work at nine or ten or eleven or doing any work all day long. Yeah, I don't know. I've got I've got some yokel who keeps sending me clean fade links right before nine. It's like go do your job, do your job, man. Get on and rant for humanity. But a lot of people can't deal with that. There's a lot of people who need somebody watching over them because they think their work sucks so much that if nobody is uh, cracking the whip, they're not being productive at all. And you're, I mean, you're absolutely right too. When you're sitting in the same place using the same machine that you game with, it's easy to go, Oh, I'm going to take a five minute coffee break. And then you open up your favorite game. Like I'll just play this for five, 25 minutes later. Right. Like, Oh, I'm out of coffee. You know, and I'm curious if any of these larger, that's one thing we, didn't really 
have a story about over COVID. We had it about the school kids, college kids taking tests where we talked about the surveillance with the webcams and the microphones and anything. I don't think we had any stories about companies that were letting people work remotely, but were forcing them to be monitored while doing so. I bet you there were some that did it. I wouldn't be that surprised, but in it's, it's, I, I feel like it's a little different. Schools and universities get away with a whole lot of stuff that, that the average adult will not put up with at least the average adult who didn't come right out of one of those schools or universities. Right. Although it depends what you're getting paid. Like, well, yeah, that, that's the thing though, is if I'm, if I'm in, I guess what I'm saying is if I'm working, then I'm not your slave. You're paying me for a service and there's no way you're installing malware on my machine. You want to run malware in my house. You're providing me a machine. And I don't think that most college students are that assertive. No, no. But if that was part of a gig and you're like, you have a high salary and they're like, we need to monitor you. Maybe you would. Although you would probably just work topless or bottomless and uh, be like, Uh, who's to say I'm not right now. It's like, if you want to watch, it's all up to you. I mean, it's all it's all under the robe. This is something that only the uh, only the patrons on the video feed can see right now. Yeah, you, you, you want to get in on that? You want to get into uh, grumpy dot com slash donate and get all full all we, access. OK, we should probably stop <laughs> stop know, preventing people from donating. Yeah, that's true. You know, who's not uh, having all access? And this is something that you brought up, which I thought this was interesting because you brought up the fact that Bing was no longer usable because of the fact that they were what you thought was censoring things because yes, the bright part disappeared. They are now it's uh, you know, it was that day in China, the Tiananmen Square anniversary. And yes, it turns out Bing, when people searched for tank man, got no results, which yeah, what a surprise. Yeah. Now, Microsoft came out with this one right afterward. Only in fact, somebody pointed it out on a blog and then some. Uh, a tech journalist points out and like, look, Microsoft censoring. And then Bing came back within a couple hours and everything was back. And they said, oh, this was human error. Right. Which. um, Sure. Does that make it better? I don't think so. I, it's a I, very I, weird human error if it was one. Well, and, and what bothered me? I, I had this story in my notes. Uh, well, what bothered me the most about this one is uh, why? And, and it's not just Microsoft. Lots of companies have this. But why? Does Microsoft have a system where a human can just reach in, flip a switch and gaslight every user of the service? Yeah. And pull a search term out. And and by the way, I, I, I in answer to that question, because I have the answer, it's because uh, all references to Tiananmen Square are, in fact, banned in China. And I suspect the human error was the the gaslighting censored. Chinese domain site that they put up because Microsoft has no ethical quandaries whatsoever about pandering to the CCP. They accidentally turned on that site for places outside of China. Sure. Sure. But this doesn't make it any better. No. And we have a story about Wix that pulled a site that was uh, that the China didn't like as well. But I, the most interesting thing about the tank man in Bing thing was the fact that Notepad++, a program that both of us use, which is a... I got it open right in front of me right now. I do, too. That's what my notes are in. They immediately uh, pushed a new version of Notepad++ that 
the search on internet command will no longer <laughs> let you use Bing. <laughs> and, oh, oh, well, that's not an overreaction or anything. I, mean, I thought that's, it was great. I didn't know. Do you know? Who, it's hilarious. It's virtue signaling, but it's hilarious. It is. It is. But did you know the, the name of the creator of Notepad++? I mean, I should have known this. But the name of the creator of Notepad++ is Don Ho. Which, I mean, if you're old enough, you remember the Hawaiian singer, Don Ho. <laughs> yes. But, I, you know, that that is a reference that had left my mind. Yes. And thank bad. you for bringing it back. Gee, you know, tiny boy, bubbles. Yeah, there's a lot. You go that's some old if you want some Hawaiian music. Don Ho was the uh, the guy you want to look for. But he says uh, that he did this because he bang censoring. Yeah, he doesn't like the motivation of that instead of doing their job. He says, when a search engine does the censorship instead of its job, the search result loses its quality and it's not reliable anymore. He's not wrong. Yeah, he's he's not wrong. But the this incident, I I honestly believe that somebody and, and I don't even I don't even ascribe any malice to it. It's possible because half of Bing is in China and I, it's possible that somebody out there was was like, well, my CCP bosses told me that I need to shut this off. And so they did. But I don't think that's what happened. I think what happened is somebody screwed up a configuration file and checked it into the wrong place and it went out to production. That's what I think happened. But that doesn't excuse the the fact that it happened. This is I mean, this is still a problem. And more importantly, it, it shows Microsoft is. I don't think that any executives at Microsoft went out and rubbed their hands together. like, let's hide the Tiananmen Square thing just to make sure that we no. But some Microsoft executive did rub their hands together in a big board meeting and say, we'd really like to get into that Chinese market. And in order to do that, we're going to have to gaslight everybody in China. And it's kind of a condition put on by the uh, objectively evil government of China that they are messing with the ability of their citizens to be informed but microsoft is totally complacent and uh what what's their complacent buying them 2.4 percent of the chinese search market Ooh, that's big so big well i mean it is big <laughs> well, I mean, okay it's, it's a large amount of people but yeah not a large uh percentage yeah but so i i i i don't know shame on microsoft for for censoring in general, this particular one, you can call human error. But just like my story last week where they they were blocking links to Breitbart, when you put Breitbart and the name of uh, an article that, you know, is on their site in the search terms and they say, oh, I don't know, here, have some WAPO links um, right. doing that sort of thing. <laughs> I will I will definitely fault Bing for a lot more than than somebody flipping on the China domain in the wrong place. Yeah, it's hard to push the uh, the Breitbart thing off as human error. It's no, well, it, it is human error. There was an error of a fucking human being that was decided that they wanted to go all leftist censoring. And a lot but of this I, is interesting when you have people using things from different areas. We've talked about this a lot between search engines, social media and that where there are different laws in different countries. But when people go to Google to do a search, I mean, you're going to Google, you, you know, there's uh, this concept that these companies can in a uh, in a very elegant way, be able to change the results based upon your location. It's not always going to work. 
that they go, oh, wait, uh, this is a Chinese search. So we can't show X, Y and Z because we're bowing down to China. I mean, you point out it doesn't always work, which is absolutely true, especially if you throw in things like VPNs into the mix. But more than that, I I think it's it's pretty much always wrong to try to do that. I mean, I I used the term gaslighting earlier. That is that is what this is. When you are showing different results to different groups of people, you are trying to search engines are the Internet is, is the greatest source of information. It's all the world's information at our fingertips and search engines are the portal onto that. And when you try to manipulate what people see through a search engine, you are literally trying to change their reality. You're trying to change the way the world exists. And there, there is an objective truth out there, but it's really hard to see through all the corporate censorship. And so I, I will go out on a limb and claim it is, it is evil of any company to decide that your geographical location means that you should or shouldn't see certain results. Well, and it goes well beyond just your location. And that's why I think we've recommended this in the past. If you really want to, if they could, if they could categorize you on every demographic group that you identify as, they would. Right. Which is why you, for some fun, go into a private window in a browser and do the same search and see if you get different results. Run it through a VPN in a private window even better to see if you get different results than you do when you run it direct. I was going to say every everything that I do online is in a private window, but see, but, but not everybody usually, does. I don't usually use a VPN for at least for web searches. But yeah, see, you're you're not you're you're paranoid, but you're not quite that paranoid yet. But, not nearly. Well, I haven't I haven't hooked up the, the free VPN yet. No, see. Yeah. Well, the free VPNs are no good. That's just running it through Nick the rat's uh, basement. And then he's just going to monitor everything you're doing. Well, yeah. he, well, he rubs his little paws together. Going, <laughs> I got him now. Oh, and on the topic of surveillance, I had another one. I'll just throw in here because it's short. Uh, there was a Tesla software update. Um, the uh, uh, there is apparently a problem where uh, a lot of the, Tesla uses the torque sensor in the steering wheel to determine whether or not you're paying attention while their autopilot is on. You know, auto autopilot is the the we're. We're 85 percent self-driving, but you're supposed to continue paying attention just in case the algo messes up, right. which so is terrible so, because the better the algo get, the less likely you are to be paying attention. Right. And so a torque sensor in the steering wheel would be trying to determine if somebody's holding the wheel. Yes. And and it's it's a proxy for is this person paying attention to the road? Well, there are websites out there, Tesla themed sites that show you how to convince the torque sensor that you're holding on. And there are TikTok videos of people say sitting in the back seat while the autopilot is running them down the freeway. And uh, I'm not saying this is good. This is a kind of a dangerous thing. Uh, But at the same time, Tesla autopilot is still almost as safe as most other humans on the road, which is not terribly safe. The thing is self-driving still hot news. So every single time that a Tesla on autopilot gets into a wreck, it's a huge story. They've been taking a lot of heat. So what's Tesla do? They are now they have they have released a software update to turn on a camera pointed at the driver. And (laughs) that camera will try to determine whether or not you are paying attention to the road while your autopilot is on. I mean, that's a much better solution. I mean, not for a privacy standpoint, but for trying to determine from a does it work? Right. Yes, that seems to be much better. 
to I, I, I it's going to be harder to fool. I'll give you that. Yeah, well, um, it, it makes sense because they've had similar sensors where it's like, oh, if you're, you know, you start nodding your head and they think you're uh, sleep driving and then they, you know, give you a little spoop, you know, so you wake up. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that can be done. And I mean, I think you're hitting it on the nose, too, with the fact that the self-driving, while I think there's still a long way to go, I think there's a lot of really bad human drivers out there. And this, again, comes down to a statistics thing, which is people can point to, oh, an auto drive uh, Tesla crashed and killed a bunch of people. But this happens to actual humans, too. It's like, is it happening more than the average? Yeah. Yeah. And that's an I mean, I think that's a valid question. on the same stretch of road that that an uh, am I what you're am here. I, am I not coming through? No, go. Well, oh, OK, I mean, I, I, I don't know I, if you're I, saying I, anything. I, good, I was talking I like. Okay, or well, I was, I was talking and you were talking over me as if I was muted. Unless maybe you were, but I hear you now. Some, and now you're gaslighting me. You're making me think I'm muted. No, now I hear you. You know, I don't know how to use this. <laughs> I, I still don't understand this whole podcasting thing. <laughs> anyway. this, is, this is starting to sound like uh, Abbott and Costello bit. <laughs> yeah, who's who's on Tesla? Uh, so, uh, yeah, my, my point was going to be that it was huge. You know, every time that a Tesla auto drive crashes, it's it's a huge story. But what, what the story usually will omit is that two other drivers that were cars that were human piloted probably crashed on the same day in the same stretch of road. Right. It, or they're the it, ones it, that hit the not, Tesla. Yeah. Or that they're the ones who, who rammed the Tesla off the road. I, you know, actually, there's there's starting to be a little bit of a backlash against some electric drivers out there. So that. Um, I, I don't have any stories today about it, but I've seen where people started getting angry at uh, at electric cars. I'm not real sure why, other than, you know, the the destruction of old ways of life and all that. But eh, well, old ways, old ways of life are overrated. People don't like change. There are people that are afraid of that technology at this point, maybe rightfully so. But, you know, I it's, it, I think people like, you know, that road rage kind of a concept. If somebody cuts you off. You can look at them and you can flip them off and you can yell and you feel like you've accomplished something. Now, if there's no driver, you're like, what now? Now, what do I do? My, I know where for the anger to go. Well, you have to know where the sensors are so you can flip those off. And then some technician down in Silicon Valley has to see it. You're right. But people so, will just so start ramming them off the road. I, I, I hope it doesn't come to that because there is real cost in human lives with road rage and cars getting rammed off the road but it might happen i don't know uh so anyway tesla does not say how it checks with the the camera uh it they won't say whether they you know the the article from TechCrunch that i read about this one uh speculates that it might be either following eye gaze which is is an algo thing or or just checking your head position or something like if you nod off or you're if you're staring at your crutch you're either falling asleep or you're playing with your phone but uh tesla will not say what exactly they do which is probably good because it would help people defeat it uh but what they do say is they say that the video data does not leave the car they call it a closed loop system and then the last thing that i got out of the article although they didn't say anything about this is that there is still no word from tesla on if full self-driving will come this decade or not even though tens of thousands of people have paid a lot of money for full self-driving when they bought their car. Yeah, I think it's going to a lot of that's going to come down to 
laws in different areas. The uh, I mean, I like that it's a closed system, allegedly, although I'm betting that's available. If, if, it, if it is a closed system for real, then then I like that. What about uh, if it's I, a closed system, but it's in the black box? So if you end up you know, killing a family of six, that that video data is there for them to see what you were doing at the time of the crash. Uh, honestly, that seems likely. Yeah. And it, well, that seems like that would be a legitimate use for it if there was a deadly and, accident. And and if there's a black box, then you know that the, you know, it's recording this and the data never leaves the car unless some engineer at Tesla flips on diagnostic mode and is like, well, we're noticing that this car had a 3% change in efficiency and we need to find out how they're driving. And then they download the data because uh, I, I have no doubt whatsoever that Tesla has the ability to do that. They just say that. Oh, we're we're not usually taking the data out. And I believe that. Well, I mean, right now you could just do drive by wire, which would be even better. Just flip the car. You just start driving from, you know, I've got a 17. What? Uh, OK, 30 millisecond connection to you, 30 millisecond back. So I can, you know, that's that's close enough for driving a vehicle. Just uh, yeah. And, and the thing we always say about the captures. Please identify stop signs in this picture yes, quickly. Very quickly. We want to know if we need to stop or hit the gas. And uh, it, it's an interesting yep. technology to watch. I did. Have I ever talked to you about the the I, there was an idea that I had. It was probably 10, 15 years ago when the idea of fly by wire drones started coming out. And you, you've, you've seen the the uh, movies and stuff where there be a whole room full of people with headsets and uh, you know video monitors in front of them and like either a joystick or something right and like an they look like they're playing yeah they look like they're playing video games but they're piloting drones and the thought that i had at the time was uh, you know the military sure maybe they do that maybe they don't uh but what about piloting say a fleet of taxi cabs yeah why it, not I mean, that I, w- I was just thinking uh, about what what use could these things have outside of of killing people? And I think that, you know, I, I we may not get there because at this point, you know, once Tesla turns on full self-driving in twenty one forty, then that'll be the fleet of taxi cabs. But as a stopgap, uh, maybe we I, I don't know. There are a lot of laws in place that you you are not allowed to have a fly by wire where somebody's sitting in a building and piloting a car remotely. But how cool would that be? Well, it'd be cool, but the drones are getting more and more dangerous. I have seen stories recently about drones on the border, like allegedly bringing drugs in and that. But there are also ones that have been weaponized. And the concept of this technology that anybody could fly one of these things remotely into whatever kind of area they want. I mean, there was a talk the other day on one of the podcasts about how nobody ever brings up the Mandalay Bay shooter in Vegas anymore. I mean, I know some things have happened since then, but these drones, oh my God, can you imagine having a event like that where all of a sudden somebody brings in, you know, 50 drones that either have guns attached to them or explosives and just you get to some really bad stuff. You know, a, a weapons mounted on drones is is of course a really cool sci-fi staple. But uh, I, I I mean, there's there's a slight problem with guns mounted to a drone, and that that problem it can be summarized in one word: recoil. 
But uh, you know where uh, weaponized drones can be really, really horrifying is uh, if you just attach an explosive to them. Right. And, uh, and, 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 and that happens. It, that happens in military where you just I mean, you don't need to fly a gun into somewhere. You just fly a drone in there and then have it detonate. And I probably shouldn't be giving any of our <laughs> disgruntled podcasters any more ideas at this point. Yeah, but it's it's this very scary thought. When you think about that and the possibilities, especially with, you know, all of the events now in the United States, getting back to full capacity for outdoor events, for sporting events and things like that. It's uh, it's it's a scary world out there when the technology has more than gone past what local or any kind of federal law enforcement can do. As far as I know, there's really no defense for a, a drone that. You're going to stop. And that is why everybody listening to us should just remain scared and sit in your basement for the rest of your life and have Uber Eats deliver your food. Oh, no, never Uber Eats. No, not not that. Okay, but you should probably get a couple of shotguns and uh, and just in case there's drones that are flying overhead. Good sense. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I was trying to give satirical. (laughs) I I, know just the idea. There's so many things out there to fear and. And you shouldn't live your life because you should be scared of this and this and that. Yeah. Okay. If, if you dwell on everything there is out in the world that can kill you, nobody would get out of bed in the morning. True. Which might explain the upcoming generation. Come to think of it. And why nobody wants to go back to the office and it's all, uh, it's all going to be scary from now on. But uh, well, I, if you've ever commuted in California, you understand why people are have existential fear of going to the office I, in Chicago is almost as bad, if not worse, because we get snowstorms. Well, it sounded like you had a very peaceful weekend. Only five people died. Yeah, only five people died in Chicago it was what? Fifty something shot. So, I mean, you know, it was average. And uh, still, I, I'm st- I, every day I keep looking. I'm like, surely Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton. Or Black Lives Matter. Somebody's going to show up, right? No. No, they don't show up. But there was. I don't have the uh, the clip. Patrice Colors is still too busy counting her millions. I know. And making more. That's why she left the group now. I mean, she was a Marxist who now has millions of dollars because I guess that's what Marxists do. I mean, I don't understand how you can be a Marxist with millions well, of dollars. Uh, the 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 first thing you have to do is be very good at lying to people about yes. who you are. Yes. And that is that is very capitalist thing to do, because if you're a Marxist, you don't believe in personal property. So if you have millions of dollars now, that's a lot of personal property. I mean, I'm just a dumb podcaster, but I think I figured that part out. But there was yeah, it, it, it doesn't. Yeah, there was a Black Lives Matter. It was a guy that led one of the chapters somewhere, not one of the top. And of course, he's male. So not nobody cares about this guy. But he talked about leaving Black Lives Matter once he realized that they really didn't want to help black people, how they were all for the destruction of the nuclear family. And we've talked about that as well. You know, if there's a if there's a dad involved, well, no, that's bad. And all down the line and realized he did that this was a very destructive mentality. So it's a positive sign that some people that were actively involved with this movement are seeing what the actual the actual things that they're trying to accomplish are and i don't think anybody saw this at first because it was all just like oh yeah of course black lives matter and nobody looks past the slogan 
And now people are starting to look past the slogan. So that's an absolutely good thing because, uh, you know, Marxist rule, not what people want, not what the average person wants. Are people doing this publicly? Are people publicly coming out and saying that black lives don't matter now? Yeah, somebody that was actually in Black Lives Matter, that the group is bad. And and suddenly turned racist. Right. <laughs> it's amazing how quickly people can be, uh, that you can yeah. be turned on. Even Ellie Kemper. I mean, come on, really? People are turned, it's, but it's it raises the question. Because I guess Ellie Kemper, when she was 19, was involved in some kind of beauty pageant at some kind of event that had racist roots or something. And I think, I don't know where she's from, the South or something. <laughs> racist roots. Yeah. Well, everything has racist roots in America. We've learned that yeah. over the past couple of years. But yeah, here, here's here's a, a cold, hard fact. History is racist. Wow. All of it. Yeah. For the most part. But so is math. I mean, de- yeah. Well, de- everything is depending on whose definition you're using. Podcasting is surely racist. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Grumpy Old Ben's. GrumpyLBenz.com. But yeah, I mean, do the people on the left, and I don't know much about Ellie Kemper, except I found her to be funny and the things that I've seen her on. But I believe she is somebody that is politically to the left. Do you really feel like as somebody that is centrist to the right that these people deserve any kind of protection from the insanity that they have spewed out to the world and started with this whole cancel culture? Or do you kind of go, ha ha, you're dumb. And now uh, you got caught up in it. I'm an ad- adherent to uh, the principles of personal responsibility. And uh, by that, nobody deserves protection from anything they do. That makes sense. You know, and if you have if you have espoused the kind of stuff that is now being used against you, then it's kind of karma. And you kind of deserve what you get. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. saying this should ruin your career. You, you should the never bed now sleep in it. Right. You know, but that's a temporary thing, because usually if you shit the bed, you clean the sheets and start all over again. It's not. Well, in America, cancel getting canceled is is also a temporary thing because we love a comeback story. I mean, normally, yes. But who's come back yet? That's I mean, that's the uh, question. Is Kevin anybody... Spacey's in, in a new series. But was it a big series? I mean, cause he can I don't still know. Produce it hasn't it been himself. released yet. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, yeah, and if he can still produce it himself, that's still a comeback. I don't know. It, well, it is. But that's because entertainment I, is I heard going that, that way. I heard that Trump was going to be uh, inaugurated in August now as the date. I mean, that is according to a tweet from somebody at the always correct New York Times. That he's, <laughs> that, no. that he's been saying that uh, what he is going to be doing, though, I just saw this moments before Grumpy Old Benz came on the air that in December he is hitting the road for a few events with Bill O'Reilly, our favorite newscaster. And it's going to be an evening of conversation about Donald Trump's presidency and the history of this country and other things. You're, so I, you're good friends with Bill. I think you should try to get in on that call. I, it's not a call. They're doing like two dates in Texas, one in Florida and one that wasn't announced yet. But they're going to be going out to uh, people selling tickets. People are going to be coming. It's going to be putting on a show, which I think will be interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, nothing, uh, nothing. He's not saying anything about being reinstated. That is all just delusion from the liberal press. And you know why they're doing it is because people scared, right? They need a, they need a villain. And when that with Donald Trump gone, the left is literally gone. "Ah, What do we do? We go, we got to try to bring Trump back into this. It's like Trump don't want to be. He's yeah. He's a bloviator, but he's not delusional. 
it's just like we talked about on Friday. They screwed up badly. The the writers on of the political narrative, they wrote Trump out of the script. And then the producers came back and said, we still need a villain. And you've just got rid of the best one we ever had. Write him back in. Yes. And your hero, Joe Biden, has the energy of a limp noodle. Congratulations. Yeah, the, yeah, not not playing well with the the you know zero to eighty four demographic. No, he is not playing well with anybody that wants to see somebody that can regularly make a coherent statement, and it's kind of sad to see. But we are quickly hurtling, as hard as that may seem to believe. There were so many people when Biden was uh, took office. That we're like, oh, my God, it's going to be so long until we have another vote. You know, the two year mark or what a quarter of the way there already. So the the next round of elections, this is already what they're thinking about on both sides, which is why nothing ever gets done in the United yeah, States. Well, we're we're how about how about this argument? We're only a quarter of the way there. And look how much economic damage has already been done that. Well, yeah, huge from the minute he took office until now. Huge gas prices, which I mean, who didn't see that coming when Joe immediately turned off? Uh, the that would be light. 80 million Democrats. They were really that dumb. Who they didn't were, see that coming? Maybe they didn't. Or maybe they thought it wasn't going to be as bad. No, that was all just well, it, fear porn. Ad- admittedly, probably a full third of the votes that Biden got were from people who were unable to think, not just because of being Democrat, but because also they didn't exist. Grocery prices going up and see the people that don't exist. They don't have to worry about gas prices or grocery prices. That's true. If you're dead, you don't commute and you don't have to worry about gas. So it's cool to vote for Democrats. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. That makes a lot more sense. But uh, I mean, for all the problems we have here, China still more. And this uh, was a story that was kind of like piggybacked on the, you know, the other one with uh, the Bing search engine. But uh, this I thought was interesting. Because it was a Wix website, which I mean, I've looked into Wix as far as my personal opinion. You don't want to host your site there anyway, because they're crap. But what what was Wix? It is kind of like a Squarespace. Oh, but it is Israeli based. And I guess the uh, this guy, Nathan Law, they had a website up, which was a Hong Kong pro-democracy website. And I guess China went to Wix, who was based in Tel Aviv, and said, uh, shut this down because it violates our national security laws. And Wix complied, at least temporarily, and took the website down. And this is just more than bizarre. When we talk about being canceled, this is a website that is hosted again by a company based in Israel, but they still complied for some reason with a Chinese request for the site to be removed. So this just shows you like, you know, you can't really trust any hosting. You can't really trust anybody. There's the tentacles that China has coming out are way, way more powerful. I think than most people kind of like the ones that voted for Biden that they can even comprehend. I mean, Wix ended up apologizing and, you know, and again saying it shouldn't have happened, but it did. Is is this a, a, a Chinese tentacle thing or is this just a, an overbearing cancel culture thing, which 
corporations in general being uh, generally very risk averse uh, and and uh, definitely weak against the squeaky wheel argument. Uh, One of the reasons why the left has got a lot of traction with corporations, especially with with trying to you know get things taken down for no reason whatsoever and no thought put into it is that the for the most part the vast majority of activists in in and i I use that term derisively uh are tend to be on the political left the reason is if you just look at at the phrase conservative there are generally people who are cool with the status quo and don't want to make waves whereas the progressive they're people who want things to change so it makes sense that that the noisy people are going to be the ones who want things to change because if you really 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 like things to stay the same you don't say anything about it until you're reacting so well and conservatives of, usually have jobs so i mean there's that definitely has an effect yes a, a lot of corporations uh don't know what is going on out there one way or another until somebody screeches super loudly in their ear and they're like, oh, crap, we need to take this down because somebody's screeching when that somebody screeching represents a, a small group of 10,000 completely adult idiots who have organized under their activism banner. And this, by the way, is why it is so horrifying when teachers unions come and try to uh, play up how your your first grader should become an activist and this is somehow a good thing it, it, it well activism is the only thing that's not racist i mean math is racist history is racist science is racist but activism oh, is racist not, oh wait activism's racist too no i i i stepped briefly into a rant against schools and i just want to i want to finish this one thought and that is if if you are going to become an activist there's a couple ways to go about it uh, the first is you find a cause that's very, very important and you become an activist for that cause that is legitimate and it is righteous and you you go do your thing. If, if you've got the right cause, the other, which is the truly frightening thing and the the way that a lot of Gen Z kids are being seriously fucked up by activist teachers is if if you've seen the, you know, the the children's books, A is for activism, in fact. Um, it is teaching people you need to become an activist. And once you've come to the, you know, once you've ingrained it in yourself that you need to lash out at everything and, and force people to change to fit your whims, then you can go out and shop around for a cause to be an activist for. And that is, is teaching people to be destructive against society. Yeah. And this, well, this concept that these companies can come out, and then just say, oh, no, it was an accident. That's getting a little tiresome, too, um, because the, that wasn't the original response that this website owner got. The uh, the complaint to Wix came in from the Hong Kong Police Department, which I thought was kind of interesting. But it invoked Chinese law demanding they disable the site because it endangered China's national security. So I don't know. How does a website on Wix endanger uh, China's national security? Not sure. But Wix, it said, was threatened by fines up to $100,000 and imprisonment for up to six months. So, OK, here's you, Hong Kong police threatening people in Israel with do you fines know if, if they have a presence. I, do you know if they have a presence in China? That I mean, if, if they have an say. office and people there, that that would 
that changes the equation of it. Yes, it would. If they're if they're entirely based in Israel, then then it is uh, somebody somebody at the company being uh, having no spine whatsoever and going. Somebody's yelling at me. What do I have to do to make it stop? Let's just give in. And uh, of course, you know, as every as the world learned in 1937. Uh, appeasement is the worst possible way of dealing with bullies like this, but I guess we have to learn it again. Well, this mentality goes around with all sorts of different things online from copyright infringement and all that, which is, oh, we better take action quick. And then they deal with the fallout if they were wrong. And that, I mean, I understand the concept. But the reality is you should probably have a process to go through to determine whether what you're doing is correct or not. And at the absolute minimum, that process should involve how about you stop a moment and think about it rationally rather than reacting emotionally. Oh, but emotions are much better. Haven't you ever been on Twitter? If you're an activist. Yes. Yes. If you're an activist, uh, the interesting story on Twitter this week which is Nigeria. I mean, we know there's nothing weird that ever happens in Nigeria. There's a lot of princes there that want to give you money to half the country. I think. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, Actually, Nigeria is apparently uh, like absolutely huge. There's something like uh, the population of the UK or something. It's, Oh yeah, it's not a small country. There's a lot of people there. I didn't even realize because, of course, what do you hear about it? (laughs) Well, just that there's scams based there, and uh, that's a majority of what you hear. Um, They are at war with Twitter now, though, and I have a really hard time picking a favorite and you know who you want to root for in this because it's like (laughs) Twitter sucks. I I don't. Yeah, (laughs) who are you picking in this one? Uh, I, 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 I. Okay, I I don't I know very little about Nigeria, but I don't have reason to believe that that they are inherently evil without examples. I have lots of reason to believe that Twitter is inherently evil. And I think this comes down from the fact that, like the Donald Trump situation, uh, Twitter sanctioned the president of Nigeria, who then, because it is a little bit of a different type of government down there, has made Twitter illegal in Nigeria. Which okay. Well, disapprove of of somebody having the power to be able to do that, but I'm not entirely against the sentiment. The interesting thing, of course, is how do you block Twitter? And they're not. So this is, you know, you're either saying this has zero teeth, but you persecute people for logging in. That could absolutely be one of the things. I I, I suppose if you you have a strong enough uh, police state. Now, the interesting thing is. is they're going mainly after the broadcast platforms in Nigeria, you know, quoting here in compliance to the above directive broadcasting stations are hereby advised to deinstall Twitter handles and desist from using Twitter as a source of information gathering or news and program presentation, especially phone in. So I guess talk shows, but that's an interesting concept because you know what? No media should ever use Twitter as a source for your information. Well, I definitely agree with that. I don't I don't think a a blanket ban of you can't use Twitter short of of blocking the domain at the national level, I don't think is enforceable against people, but it against uh, uh, media outlets, against broadcasting stations, yeah, I think they probably can. You just send police to knock on the door and be like, 
hey, we noticed you guys are using Twitter. And so every time that you every time that anybody at your news station tweets something, we're going to execute an intern. Sounds about uh, I mean, right. I, if you're authoritarian enough, I mean, why not? Right. Yeah. And they also said this is now they're immediately commencing the process of licensing all social media operations in Nigeria. So there's big changes coming in uh, in Nigeria. But this is, you this know, doesn't it doesn't sound good. It, it doesn't sound good, but this is what's going on. We talked about this in Poland where I'm hearing things about the Nigerian government that's making me like them less. I'm just letting you know. Yeah, well, this is going on everywhere, though. I mean, in Florida, I mean, they're going, you know, they're fighting with Twitter and stuff like this. And it's funny because Twitter and you, is and always you wonder like why I don't like governments in general or Twitter. Yes, Twitter's. I mean, yeah. the, the funny thing is Twitter is always giving the, uh, you know, the policy line of, well, we're just trying to promote free speech. And it's like bullshit. There's the last thing that Twitter actually wants is freedom of speech. Oh, yeah, yeah. They they pulled the same thing in Uganda. They pulled the same thing in in what uh, was it? India. Uh, yeah. It, Twitter, Twitter, uh, according to their public statements, they want freedom of speech everywhere except the United States or or they want to be able to control it. They don't want free speech. Yeah. They, because, they want people to have the freedom to say whatever it is that they approve people saying. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. They don't want freedom of speech. They want to be the one in charge. You know, it's horrible when a government shuts down Twitter, but when they shut down the president of the United States or the president, whatever his uh, title is in Nigeria, the leader of Nigeria, they can do all they want to people like that and then go, oh, but we're Twitter. We can do that. But then <laughs> when they get people fighting back, then they pretend they're really like the asshole in school that started the fight and then steps back and be like, I didn't do anything. He just attacked me. You know, that kind of um, thing. I mean, that was me. <laughs> you were just doing it with your words. Yeah. You were just prompting. You were prompting <laughs> violence with education. One of my middle school vice principals once told my dad said, uh, it, it, it's hard to figure out how to discipline Ryan under the rules because he never throws the first punch. He just has such a, a vicious wit. Everybody has to hit him in self-defense. Well, this was why I used to like NASCAR. Because they had a rule book and the people that were successful were the ones that were able to figure out how to get either right up to that line of breaking the rules or totally get around the rule in the first place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Is this like the ones where you're you're shaving the the inside of the body work to reduce weight? Yeah. Anything. I mean, there was all sorts of different things like, you know, the spoilers have to be at a certain height. But then there was a thing, you know, when the car was at speed, the car would come down more, of course, because when a car's sitting, it's in a different position than if it's going 200 miles an hour. If you have spoilers and air force going on the car. So there was a lot of fun stuff that they could do, which is why on some of those racetracks, you had the cars like bottoming out and bouncing up and down and sparking and, you know, bouncing off the pavement because, you know, these things were set up to try to get the every last little bit of, uh, speed that they could get out of them within the rules though within the rules and if they wanted to change the rules they could but you weren't going to be fined you weren't going to be kicked out because you were within the rules unlike uh unlike golf which i don't follow golf but the fact that the guy that was had a six stroke lead going into the final day was told oh i'm sorry you tested positive for covid you can't play that that was that was disgusting that's the if if i had ever cared about golf before this that'd be enough to make me rage quit the pga yeah i don't get it you're outside that you're not going to infect anybody 
That's like one point six million dollars. I, I think mean, he was I mean, probably going to win. This guy was. I mean, how much has he made so far? Because this is the kind of thing where you're like, you know what? I'm I'm done. I'm never playing in your league again. And every you know, me and all of my best friends, we're going to go. You know, we're going to go start a new league with blackjack and hookers and and no COVID tests. Sounds like a much a much more fun league. Um, it didn't make me more interested in golf. I don't know. Let's see what his uh, career earnings. I doubt they're anything close to what he was about to make because he had never won a. Uh, oh, well, there, there's the thing. Yeah. He had never won a uh, never won a major earnings by results in your you needs. You okay, need to go fund me. He's been uh, he's been doing OK, though. He's been doing OK. okay. Uh, total career earnings, uh, almost twenty six million dollars. And uh, uh, he's yeah, he'll, he'll be able to make the rent next month. This year so far, three point eight million. But this would have been another one point six. That's uh, it's a pretty big amount. But uh, obviously, he's been doing pretty good. The Spaniard, just, John Rahm. I, you don't have to be a part of this stupid organization in order to enjoy playing golf. It just like you'd be like, OK, I, I and I, I don't know what what his position is, but I'd kind of be sitting here looking at this going, OK, you know what? Twenty six million is pretty good. I can. I can invest that. I can be comfortable the rest of my life. I'm cool with this. I don't need to play golf for you assholes ever again. Yeah, I mean, that's what my I mean, again, I'm not making the millions, so it's much harder to put this into any kind of. No, and I feel the same way about podcasting, by the way. It'd be like if if I we got 26 million on grumpy old Ben's, I'd be like, I, I I'm going to go ahead and I, I can rant at my wall for the rest of my life. I'm cool with it. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice. I mean, if somebody wants to test that theory and has 26 million laying around, hey, maybe you're a Bitcoin billionaire. Grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. But we had a uh, a note. Well, not a note, but it was on No Agenda Social from Kenny Ben slash Kendra about her ring doorbell. Something we've talked about. I mean, this is something I wanted to bring up again anyway, due to the Amazon sidewalk thing, which is going into effect tomorrow, I believe. Uh, but she got a new pop up with her ring doorbell, which uh, read, quote, allow ring to allow to use your location, even when you're not using the app, question mark. Location is required for access to many features and to complete the setup process. So this was something that she said was already set up. This was not a new ring doorbell. It was up. It was working. Now got the pop up, which was we want to use your location all the time. So the only two choices they gave you to click on was keep allowing it only while using the app or change to always allow. She said she had to choose keep only uh, using while using the app and then go in and change the permissions afterwards not to allow location yeah, at that, all. That that's a force close for me. Yeah, well that <laughs> is the her question and this is valid and I don't have enough information. I did a quick search and saw what I can find. But her query was, is there something which had similar features to the ring doorbell, but did not have the location requirement, uh, app, did not have the I mean, the app is OK if you control so it. My my front door has there's there's a little half inch hole that's drilled through the door and there's a, a little optical device that you can look through the door and it right, kind of gives you a, you may not right, be home all the, the time. That what you may not be home you, all the time and you may want who to do see. you think you're talking to well, Hello. Okay, you are home all the time. Kendra might actually want to leave the house every now oh, and then. 
Oh, oh. <laughs> you were asking about me. You're like, no, that's fine. I can see right through that. The people. Yeah. No, I'm never leaving. I, I got a people in my door that has that has comparable features. People will bring me pizza and I have guns and liquor. So this is great. Yeah. Um, but if there is, I mean, if anybody has any suggestions, I'm going to put a link in the show notes, uh, which was from a website, howardtheater.org, that was 10 best video doorbells without subscriptions attached to them, which I'm guessing maybe something in here would be what you want, because the, the subscription part is what really starts oh, yeah. getting you with the yeah, sending physical stuff the items cloud. with subscriptions can can F right off. Uh huh. They're not good. And I mean, I've been trying to decide also on a new router for the house because it's time. This one's a couple years old. And the amount of these that I'm reading, you need to uh, have call the mothership is not good. It is not good. There is a lot of negative reviews on some of these that are like, yeah, I'm, I'm not signing up for an account with whoever. I don't want to out any of these manufacturers just so I don't make sure I don't get anything wrong. Wait, what, what what show are you on? Go ahead and out it. I mean, seriously. What do you mean? What show? I'm just saying I thought there was, you know, like a Linksys router. Like, boy, no, what is this? I don't want to out any manufacturers. If they're doing douchey stuff, out them. Well, I don't remember exactly which manufacturer it was, okay. so I don't want to say it That's a different thing. Yeah. I don't want to be like, Linksys is a bunch of dicks. And then I'm like, tomorrow, I'll come oh, back I'm like, with. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't protect <laughs> a douchebag Silicon Valley companies. But I'm seeing it more and more with that kind of stuff. It's like, no, I want something I have full control. And I do have a few IP cameras that all point outside windows of the house so I can see the backyard. I can see what's going on in front of the house. And those don't go to the cloud. Their password protected. Is that not a a viable alternative? It should be. I mean, that you're 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 asking what what other options are there for uh, a video doorbell well did you put a camera and a conventional doorbell wouldn't that do it mainly now unless you really want and that was the other question which features you want some people want to be able to talk to the person at the door i would never do that either i'm answering or i'm not that's dystopian as hell isn't it i mean and that was how this was all pushed the minute these ring doorbells came out that's how it was all pushed like you see a ups guy at the door ringing the bell and all of a sudden the person is hey you could be on vacation in the Caribbean and be like, hello, I've got a package for you. Just leave it there, please. And I, I always thought that was a little bit odd. I don't need the intercom ability. I don't know if Kendra wants that or not, because otherwise, yes, getting a simple camera and just setting that up at your doorstep would work absolutely the same way. And you can have these cameras, even the most basic of them have simple motion sensors to them that will allow you to record those little segments when it senses motion. So if you don't want to record all the time, I mean, Comcast gives us security cameras. We've got one mounted outside of this and it has an app and it tell it, it records a clip. And every time that somebody walks by it, it, yeah, I mean, it's not a doorbell. It's not hooked up to a doorbell, but it, it, when somebody comes up and, goes through the glove box of our car or something we get a picture of him by the way so right, wearing so a mask so what a surprise right well there you go this is the greatest way to avoid facial recognition technology whoever nobody should have masks wow who came up with this idea now it's so commonplace that people can walk into any location even long after this is gone i'm wondering when the laws are going to come back to 
because we talked about this on an early grumpy old Ben's, I think, especially with Halloween going around, that there were a lot of cities, states, localities, whatever, where covering your face in public was illegal because, you know, people running around in masks yeah. that were doing bad things. And- I, uh, even even during the lockdowns, I remember seeing uh, images of places like a, a, a gun store that would have a. Uh, a note on the front of it in the opening window says, uh, you know, please take your mask off when you walk into this store. Uh, we, we shoot people wearing masks, things like that. <laughs> Rightfully so. Uh, but this is going to be a long-term issue, I think, because now people can use that as an excuse. Like, Oh, I'm just wearing a surgical mask. Cause you know, I'm afraid of viruses and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of being identified for what I'm about to do to you. Yes. But, you know, virus, you say virus, this is uh, the, the easiest thing in the world now. Well, no, they're just you can't tell them not to wear a mask because then, oh, they might get a virus. I can tell them not to wear a mask. Can you enforce it? I, I mean, with enough violence, sure. Not yeah. not necessarily the right solution, but. Car- Car- Carolyn Blaney said she hasn't seen any kink masks yet, even though they've been under mask law since i have uh, well see there's not not in person but on the internet you can find anything rule 34 baby there's a lot of weird things on the (laughs) internet but yes amazon speaking of the ring doorbell if you have one of their devices you want to go check their settings uh, today and probably tomorrow on tuesday because it looks like tomorrow is the day that the amazon sidewalk is finally going to be turned on which is amazon's idea to allow all of their, uh, I guess, uh, slaves that have one of their devices to share some of their bandwidth with other people that have their devices. And it's an interesting concept, but I think this can open people up to all sorts of different issues. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's the mesh network idea that, that has been bouncing around various places in Silicon Valley for a long time. And usually the idea dies because the because of the sheer amount of hardware that you have to get out there but if you've been selling people all of these stupid little wi-fi connected devices for years and years amazon is finally in a position where they're like we have we actually have enough hardware out in people's homes now to flip the switch and turn on skynet yeah and the router in my house just because this is where the office is is not in a central location and it's, you know, a decent amount and a, a floor away from the front door. So I could see that if I had a one of those doorbell things outside that the Wi-Fi might not be the strongest. Now, if my neighbor has a router that's on the right side of their house, it may be way closer to my ring doorbell than my router is. So, of course, it's like, well, the ring doorbell just wants to get online. Why wouldn't it share that? And there is good and bad to this because I'm a, a fan of things like the Winston device that we talked about, which is a network, uh, a mesh network for privacy. I'm always waiting for, you know, that DMCA or something like that from uh, from Comcast when I've been letting this thing run because you are sharing bandwidth with people around the country. So if they go to questionable websites, then it could be tracked back to my house. And you may think that's a bad thing, of course. The device I, I, may also I, I give don't you plausible think, deniability. 
Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that that if we can normalize the idea that that packets are routed in whatever way gets them there the fastest, I think if we can normalize that, we can solve a lot of problems about things like uh, you know, people assuming that an IP is tied to a location. Right. And this- I, from from a from a purely networking perspective, this is a fantastic idea. It's it's hey, look there. You know, there's a spotty signal or a little bit of congestion to go this way. So instead, let's go ahead and and run an algo to figure out the best way to route around the problem. And it, from a from a a connectivity perspective, I'm all for this. Now, from a security perspective, it's a little concerning, and there are questions that need to be answered. Right. But if it's done correctly, and I'm not sure Amazon's doing it correctly, which is why you very much use caution with the Amazon sidewalk. The Winston device seems to be doing that. And we talked about how these companies try to get a very detailed uh, dossier on everything you do online. Well, if you open up your Internet connection to be routing people's web requests from all over the country, it becomes very hard to get a singular point of data on you because you're throwing so much garbage out there. And like I said, if if that can become normalized and and understood and accepted, then I think that we're in a better place from we, from a privacy and anonymity perspective. Maybe not so much from a cyber law enforcement perspective, but screw those guys. Well, yeah, I mean they're going to be hacking into you anyway because uh, they don't. I, I, well, if if all of our current law enforcement agencies at at the federal level were not completely corrupt then I might have more sympathy for the challenges they face. Well, and the fact of the matter is people opt in to give private companies all of their data and all of their connection and microphones and cameras on the device they carry with them 24 seven. And even though the government maybe can't legally tap into you direct, they can very easily go to your cell phone company and be like, we need this. And they're like, okay, that's cool. No problem. They opted in and it's usually for the app company. but uh, I, I, I've got, I've got. Before we leave Amazon around. with the ring doorbell, okay. did you no, know? This is, did you know this Jeff is Bezos related. is going to space? Uh, is he coming back? <laughs> See, now that's the question. I don't know if I would be. I mean, Jeff Bezos obviously has more money than God. Yeah, and he's got Blue Origin, which is is the the competitor to SpaceX that somehow has never been able to get a single article written about them. SpaceX is the only one that any of the tech blogs care about or think about or know about. And Blue Origin is doing exactly the same thing and never gets any press. And why is that? Is it, they hate Bezos? I mean, he owns, I don't know. He owns I've a never, I've never understood why. Even the WAPO doesn't cover Blue Origin. I don't know <laughs> why. But uh, I, I actually, because Blue Origin is, is up here in the Seattle area, I, I have some friends who work there and I, I don't get, you know, internal details, but I get to hear about what they're doing, like when they're planning launches and stuff. And and they're launching all the time and they've got uh, uh, four different vehicles in progress right now. And I mean, their their manufacturing is is moving along their engineering. I. I've had a tour of the facility and I, 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 the engineering is incredible, but I don't know why it is. They, I don't know why it is. SpaceX gets all of the press, which is maybe good. I mean, depending on what they want to do, sometimes a little bit of privacy when you're building this stuff out is good. 
But it, it's, I mean, I would guess that this technology has to be very far along for Bezos and his brother both to hop on one of these things and go into space. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, it's gutsy, I think. I mean, in this day and age, it's not like space travel is, you know, like hopping on an airplane. It's like if you're going into space, there's, no, there's, there's far less TSA. Yeah, well, I would hope so. <laughs> Could you imagine that one? Like, where, where are you? You don't have to take your shoes off and go through a metal detector to go to space these days. Yeah, but you do to go to, you know, the Caribbean. I don't know. They don't. They don't they don't require you to put a mask on in between peanuts. You know, he said this is uh, something he's been wanting to do since he was a kid. So I get it. And there is an auction up for an open seat. And that ends Saturday. So if anybody out there wants to go to space right now, the bid's at two point eight million. So and and understand that at this point, uh, the the other thing about space travel is that you're not actually guaranteed to come back. Yes. Yeah, there is that. That could be. I mean, that would be a pretty. that would be pretty big news if this thing uh, went the route of the Challenger, which, I mean, that was a horrible event that I still remember when, because uh, that was still a big deal back then. You know, you'd be watching it in school uh, when these things, when the shuttles went up. And that day when all of a sudden you just saw that explosion and it's like, we've lost contact. It's like, wow. Yeah. I, I, I think that might be the reason why Gen- the Challenger itself is why Gen X has not been to space. Yeah, and it makes I, sense. I mean, that's why there's a lot less of this because it's like, well, okay, what is the what is the payoff? I'm sure we can do a whole show on that in particular. And I'm sure I know we have some people out there that are experts that are really much bigger into this stuff than we are that we could have on because it's an interesting concept. This whole you know space the final frontier thing. I mean, the the boomers they've got their heroes that went to space supposedly. Um, the, you know, and now the millennials have their heroes going to space right now. The, Bezos. The, yeah. Bezos, Elon Musk, James Cameron. No, wait, we sent him to the bottom of the ocean. And unfortunately he came back too. I mean, Bezos but, might come back with two eyes, the same size. Oh, that'd be weird. That'd be weird. They'd be like, I, there's a, there's an opportunity here, like space cosmetic surgery. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know if that's a, an exit strategy. Know. I'm suddenly thinking the challenger is, is the reason why, uh, Gen X, we, we never had, uh, we never had our space heroes. Well, and it, you know, it we're did. like, we're like, we tried to, we sent a teacher and blew her up and then yes. went, eh, it's good. Well, it killed the enthusiasm. And I think, you know, maybe rightfully so until you, you know, it's the concept is getting the technology to a point, just like we talked about with the Tesla vehicles. There's a long way to go to, perfect things some things you're never actually going to perfect and when you realize with the challenger it was something crazy like an o-ring was too cold or something the night before that uh you know caused something to leak it's like that when you're dealing with so many points of failure it's crazy it, it was an engineering challenge that was overlooked and given the number of things that had to be okay i i i understand how it happened it, and you know what i think that that not knowing that the O-rings from this particular blend of, of vulcanized rubber would become brittle if you didn't heat them up the proper temperature the night before or something. I, I, I think that's a much more valid excuse than uh, it didn't. They I don't remember who it was. Uh, I tried to land a, a something on Mars and it ended up just hitting the planet at at. 10 times speed and, and exploding off. horribly because somebody <laughs> forgot to convert between Imperial and metric. 
Yeah, well, those things are important. Yeah, well, that that seems like a yeah. Uh, what was the term from earlier this show? Human error. Yeah, that's that's a human you don't want on your team anymore. Which is why you have multiple humans who double check each other's work, and uh, sometimes the there's bias involved. Uh, what else have I got? Um, Norway has uh, a, a lawsuit against Tesla. Ooh. You hear about this one? I have not. As long as, as long as we're, you know, still talking about Tesla. Elon. Uh, I heard I heard he was a very oh, unpopular Elon. name at the Bitcoin. In 2019, conference. Tesla released an update to quote protect the battery and improve battery longevity for some of their pre-2016 cars. The Model S and X vehicles with an 85 kilowatt hour battery um had apparently a battery defect where the batteries would wear out very, very quickly if you charged it at full speed through the supercharger or if I'm I'm I'm, I'm speculating here. It's not really clear uh, why they released this, but apparently the batteries had some kind of a defect because uh, upon releasing this software update, uh, it reduced the range by uh, uh, up to 30 miles per charge, the maximum range of the car, and it reduce the charging speed of the superchargers such that if you attached it to the the level three supercharging station you were only a little bit faster than the 240 volt which uh a group of 30 users in in norway of tesla cars said this software update is throttling and making our cars less useful and they won in norwegian court um the norwegian court awarded damages to of up of $16,000 per vehicle sold and says that uh, apparently because of Norwegian law, um, anybody in Norway who can demonstrate that they had, that they own one of these cars can now claim the payout from Tesla and Norwegian government will enforce it. So Tesla is looking at approximately 10 to 12,000 Tesla users at 16,000 a piece. Um, this is going to be more expensive for the company than just replacing the defective batteries would have been. There's a lot of people driving Teslas in Norway. 10,000 is not that much compared to the population, but yeah, it's more than I expected. I got to admit. Yeah. For a vehicle that isn't really ready for prime time. I mean, but they look snazzy. Don't I'm surprised they didn't make everybody sign a uh you know terms of service that are like we can screw up anything at any time and you can't do anything I, to us i i have to believe that they probably do have that in their terms of service and the only thing i can guess is that maybe the norwegian court was like no this is a terrible contract and only american courts are stupid enough to fall for that <laughs> maybe you know and tesla's going well we could leave the battery the old way but it might explode and we're like yeah. i don't know but i might would charge faster so, <laughs> i i I only really bring this up because of two things. One is uh, they, they decided to apply software to solve the problem. And a, a lot of people did not like the effect of the side effect of the software when the proper solution to the problem would have been to replace the batteries. However, replacing the batteries would have been expensive. Tesla didn't want to do that. Cutting corners. Here's what you get. No sympathy. But the other thing is that. Um, I, I don't have another thing. <laughs> you only had that one thing? No, I, I had another thing, but unfortunately, my coffee is, is leaking out my ear right now. So, 
why, how does that even happen? I don't understand. I, I probably shouldn't have poured it in there. Oh, well, yeah. You're, <laughs> didn't you get the manual on how to use that? <laughs> but this is similar no. I mean, with, the, with the battery stuff. Apple had just gone through a bunch of uh, complaints with their new iOS update. And immediately after that pushed, people were like, oh, my God, my phone, the battery's draining immediately. I don't, this, the update killed my battery. And I mean, that may be the case. This uh, hasn't been actually proven one way or the other. Or as uh, somebody pointed out uh, oh, yeah. the one on the one message board, which is when you do a iOS update, just like you would with a Windows update, if you're going from one major Windows version to another, even after the operating system is done updating, usually every program or every app that's on that system has to do something to update or upgrade for it to work properly. So even I, though they looked like your iPhone was done updating, that was just the beginning. And your phone battery probably was down if it was the day or two after that of everything in the background doing what they need to do to catch up. I, I had forgotten that that Apple got into the exactly the same trouble for pushing out a software update that that screwed with the battery. The the only thing is with Apple it's it's the phone and with tesla it's it's your car and i guess it depends on who you are which of those is more critical to your life that's see that's but hard to say now isn't it 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 it, it it's pretty easy for me but i understand that for a lot of people the the argument might go the other way but thank you for remi- reminding me what i had the the other thing i had on my mind was i was going to launch into a a rant against updates and i don't think you need the whole rant you've definitely heard my rants against software updates but this is is another reason why uh despite what everybody you know every single person out there who who fancies themselves a credentialed security expert will always say make sure that you take every update the moment it's accepted at all times no matter what because software updates are life software updates are god and if you ever miss an update by four minutes you're going to get hacked and I personally think that that particular way I just characterized it as hyperbole but I also think that the way a lot of software experts characterize it is hyperbole the only thing is if you don't want to pay attention to what's in the update then yeah your safest course is just take the update here's the downside to that and that is that not all updates are trustworthy not all updates should be applied and if if you don't believe the stories from apple and tesla where they're pushing over-the-air software updates that you know nothing about. The only thing you know is you come out and your car console has rebooted after it. Um, if, if those aren't convincing that you can lose functionality from a software update, then just, well, run Windows 10 for about five minutes and you'll figure out that not all updates are good. Your, I'm, your face is no longer recognized. Please I, reinitialize your car. I take a lot of crap. From people who tell me you shouldn't tell people not to take updates. And all I can say to every company out there who lives and dies based on the ability to force software on people at any moment, don't release crappy updates and I'll be more likely to take them. Yeah, well, this again is the similar issue of, oh, my God, we have to do something quick. And when they're and maybe rightfully so, in some of the cases, when they find a huge exploit, which, 
you should always, as we've talked about, and Microsoft has gotten a little bit better about this, separating the security updates from the feature updates. And Microsoft is better about that than most companies. Yes. Which is a good thing. So that way, you and know, it's like, I don't care if you have given me new icons for office, man. I just want to make sure. Uh, and all, all else being equal, uh, if, if something says security update in windows update, you're still better off installing that in your windows. Uh, if, if you're not going to do what I do, which by the way, nobody should, because the, these things are awful is go out and read every single KB that they say is included in the update and find out what the hell they're doing. Uh, if, if you're not going to do that and nobody will, then yes, anything marked security, you need to take things that aren't marked security. Uh, I, I'm well, okay. If you're running windows 10, your, your choice is taken away from you. But I just, if somebody says, you know, this updates a font in Microsoft word, then all they're really doing is, is, you know, removing a swastika or something. I, there, there are just too many updates that remove personal choice. I've talked about two of them on this show today. Uh, one where uh, Tesla came out and reduced people's battery. And there are going to be a lot of people out there who, who are like, I only wanted to use, own this car for another three years. And during that time, I'd rather have higher battery capacity than higher battery longevity. But they weren't given that choice. They were given the update most of the time they aren't even told what's in the update and oh look now you have less range you have less battery capacity and it takes a lot longer to charge and then the other one where uh tesla in their sole discretion has now turned on a camera and pointed it at my face when i'm driving that doesn't make me comfortable maybe i could have uh been given the option to decide whether i wanted that on or not you would never but, be driving a tesla anyway well there is that and, and and shit like this is why <laughs> I, I don't want a car that takes automatic updates. I did love being able to give you some Bemrose advice in the troll room the other day when you were ranting about Netflix and uh, an Amazon video. <laughs> did you did you get those uh, either of those fixed? I did. I did. Um, and I was able to I was able to get it working with Brave. It only took a little bit of of bitching and whining and lots of swear words but lots of swear i mean you know i pet my cat and there's lots of swear words so um i i had to install uh apparently something that that's just given to you with chrome but with brave and and more of the privacy oriented browsers it is an add-on component to install the uh the drm module that decrypts the uh, yes the, yeah so so there was some DRM module that I had to install and then things started working in Brave and I'm pleased with that, but I'm still unhappy with Brave's install experience. And I don't know if I need to go into that rant here. No, no, but I just, I mean, I just thought it was funny because every time well, I brought stuff up about <laughs> Facebook or yeah. Twitter, there's out the Bemrose advice was always like, well, don't use Facebook. Don't yes, use Twitter. So, and I so know I, I could tell you were, I was, I was careful because I knew you were upset about this, the way it was posted. And I'm just like, I, I came in. Yes, I came into the troll room and um, the, OK, so the, now I got to tell some of the story. The first thing that happened is that both Netflix and Amazon decided to stop supporting the older version of Firefox that I was using. And uh, yeah, OK, maybe I should have updated Firefox, but see previous rant. Um, but both Netflix and Amazon decided that uh, they, you know, they didn't change anything on their end. The only thing that they did was they changed the browser validation. So they said, 
uh, we are not going to support your version anymore. And by the way, when, when I used to work on software way back in the day, not supporting software meant if you come to me with a problem, I'm not going to consider your problem because I'm, I'm not going to offer you support. Nowadays, though, saying we don't support it means we are adding code to our product, which will fuck up your experience if you try to use it with the non-anointed thing. It's the reason why I had to go get a Chrome-based browser in order to use CleanFeed or Zencaster because it wouldn't run on Firefox. It wouldn't run on Pale Moon. It's because we don't support it. Well, okay. How about even though you decide not, you, even if you're not going to give me tech support, maybe you could like not run the code that just says fuck you if you don't have the right browser. Anyway, so both Netflix and Amazon on the same day disabled my access to Firefox. And I have had rants about Firefox before. And I was, I was done with Mozilla. They have become too woke. I decided that I needed to try something else and I knew that brave was a pretty good option. And so I went to try it and, um, I got to say, okay. So the first thing that happens is, uh, we got off on the wrong foot with, uh, it requires an installer and F installers. I don't like to run installers in, in general. I try not to, they, I made an exception here and I regretted it. Uh, Anyway, I, I, I'm, I, I can give you the, the whole list of things that I hated and liked about it. But to finish the story, to make, to make a short story long, I came into the <laughs> troll room and said, you know, screw Netflix, screw Amazon and screw Brave. I just tried to use this and it didn't work. And I just had to go through all of these problems in order to do it. And you came back with, well, the Bemrose solution is don't use Netflix or Amazon. Yes. And I responded to that with, you know, that's really good advice. <laughs> you couldn't argue with it. You're like, no, logic problem solved. Do you really need Netflix? Do you really need Amazon? Piracy is always out there. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I, you know, because I made notes and because you brought it up, I am going to go through what annoyed me about Brave. First of all, it required an installer. I don't want an installer. In fact, the way that I like to install apps is it usually can be found if, if somebody has made a portable link to it, right? which is you grab a zip file, you unpack the zip file and you run an executable and the programs there because I, and, and, and there is technically speaking, there's nothing preventing an installer from doing exactly that. Unpacking a zip file to a directory and exiting. Right. In fact, Chromium most of them that. do not really. Oh, uh, oh, the, yes, the Chromium. Yes. The yes. ungoogled one that I use. Yes. Um, not not brave and not chrome uh but there there's very little saying that an installer can't do exactly that which is just unpacked to a directory but the the biggest thing is what i want is the ability to if i don't like the software to select the directory and hit delete if i can do that then i feel like i'm on the right track now there's also nothing that says when you run the software for the first time there isn't code that goes out and dumps a bunch of shit in your registry and and creates directories in your profile and spews onto what okay however there is a programmer mindset that if you are running an installer then you get to install things and installing means i have access to your entire computer i can spew files everywhere i can create whatever registry keys I want. And then when we're done, maybe I'll clean some of them up. And we've definitely had the, 
the conversation about how uninstallers never do. And so anything that is installed is now a permanent form of software rot on your machine. So I don't like installers. Fine. But okay, the, this installer also demanded elevation to administrator. Okay. That's kind of a Windows thing. It's annoying. Here's the here's here's one of the few pluses though that I gave it. I forced it to run without admin privileges and it still ran. Ooh. So I'll give it that. Um it 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 didn't offer me the option. It didn't pop me up a dialogue that says, do you want to install this as admin or install for all users or just this one? It just asked for admin privileges. So uh, it, it needs, it needs some kind of UI and, and I can get back to, okay, my next problem, some kind of UI. Uh, now brave, I think is just running the Chrome installer, but I will, I will fault them for that because you run the installer and here is the grand total of all the UI that you get when you run the installer. You double click the installer and then it says, please give me administrator privileges. You enter your password and or, or, or you run it so that it doesn't get them. And then it turns a lot. And then suddenly the brave window is popped up and open in front of you. Now, I know that that seems like a really cool user experience. But there are a number of reasons why this is a problem. One of them is um, that I have a, a, my, my computer, the way I was set up, I have the, the two terabyte spindle drive for my archive. I've got the one terabyte SSD for my, my bulk program usage. And the fast SSD is only 128 megabytes or gigabytes. Sorry. <laughs> gigabytes. I was going to say that's a really, uh, really small. Drive. That has my operating system on it, which means that Windows made it the C drive. And therefore, the fact that the Brave installer and lots of other installers don't bother asking important questions like where do you put the software means that it just took a big 25 gigabyte shit onto my tiny ass SSD for because browser. huh? for a browser. For a browser, yeah, it's it's Chrome. Well, and yeah, bloated. So you know the 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 believe it or not, I had enough space because I'm hardcore about going in and cleaning stuff out. Now I'll give it another one. The program was not actually broken when I grabbed the folder off of C and manually moved it to D. Interesting, but but it still dumps the profile onto the C drive and doesn't seem to have an offer option for that. Uh, I even found uh, a bug in the GitHub for Brave that said uh, we needed the ability to set the profile to another directory. And they said, well, we can't because that has to be set before first run. And that means it has to be set on the installer. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you don't ask any questions during the installer. Maybe if you ask me where to install it. But anyway, um, all of the Internet cache, all of this temporary files, it's still dumping them all to the C drive. Uh, the only way to fix that is junction points. This is a terrible, terrible solution. So the solution, as with most software, is that software doesn't like to ask you where to put it anymore. So just give up and make sure that you put the big ass archive drive on C because that's where everything is going to take a crap anyway. Um, and then here's the other two points that I pulled up about Brave that really bugged me. One, analytics are on by default. 
that is, uh, I mean, for a privacy enabled browser, for Chrome, you understand, you get it, you expect analytics are on. For a privacy enabled browser, analytics on by default, little concerning. Yeah. Well, they want you to see ads too that are selective. And and then finally, uh, the one that got a five minus five negative stars from me is you cannot disable auto update. But they want I you mean, to I can. I, be I can. I disabled it at the pie hole. But, yes. but there's nothing, nothing in the app that allows you to disable auto updates. And uh, again, for a browser that is trying to distinguish themselves as distinct from Chrome, as, as something you're offering to people who are more privacy conscious, people who are more savvy about it. And I, I and I've seen this in so many places. In Again, I read the GitHub issues. Uh, the the level of paternalism amongst software developers who will just come out and say, no, we're not going to add that option. We're not going to allow you to ever not take updates because because you need updates like, OK, well, can we have that conversation? No update. You have to always have updates. And it, it, uh, there, I don't know if it's a blind spot or or just a, a sense of father knows best, but. There are way too many developers out there who honestly think that I know better than everybody else ever possibly could. And I will never release an update that could be anything but excellent. And therefore, we are going to remove user choice and force updates on everybody every time. And that idea could almost be conscionable, except for the part where we have example after example after example of a software update coming out and breaking freaking everything and brave is no no exception there have been brave updates that have broken half the browser and then uh three days later they come out with a new one but congratulations for those three days everybody got screwed because nobody was allowed to not take the update yeah it's kind of a no-win situation because if you for whom well if you for the average user who will otherwise never do updates i mean i understand both sides leave it on by default then they'll most of the average users don't mess with the settings and they'll take them yeah well you're right there should be an off button on there for the updates that people would have to go and intentionally turn it off that i would get behind but i think otherwise i understand why they do it because the average person otherwise would let something from uh you know 10 years ago sit on their system and they would never update and that's not good either i mean not being forced updates not good but never updating is not good so then the, the, i'm sure there was this conversation exactly in most of these boardrooms when it's like what should we do when it comes to the updates and they went well most people are stupid let's just force it on them i've sat in on that very conversation at microsoft in the windows division and the again the the level of father knows best paternalism in that room of well most of our users are idiots and if we give them a bad choice they'll take it so we need to take the choice away from them made me want to punch their smug faces in the middle of a corporate meeting because yes you're right most users are dumb and most users should leave well enough alone and leave updates on but you are using that to justify taking choice away from somebody who from from a dude named ben who probably has very legitimate reasons to they know what they're doing they they read the kbs they 
understand exactly what risks they'd be taking by not taking an update yet. They realize that, hey, you know, our our system, we're we've got a huge release in the next four days and our system needs to stay up above all else for the next four days. And then I am going to do my updates later. This is the kind of decision that a responsible dude named Ben makes for their organization. And the vendor is taking the choice away. And if if there's one thing you have noticed about me, it's that user choice is paramount for me. Well, there are As, multiple browsers you can choose from. And I have mul- multiple browsers installed. I'm complaining about this one. <laughs> Which browser allows you to turn off automatic updates? Now, the, the one that I'm talking to in clean feed is Chromium. And that one, I used a portable installer and I'm quite happy with all the settings. And in fact, I have the ability to turn off automatic updates and about every uh, three or four weeks, I go check the website and see if there's a new portable version that I can download and drop in and readjust all my shortcuts. Great. Uh, the other browsers that I have, say, No Agenda Social and all of my uh, blog tabs open in is Pale Moon, which uh, I manage my own update schedule. I've got browsers that work for me. The thing is, neither of those browsers support the DRM plugin that Netflix wants. Of course. So, of course, this is really Netflix's problem. Well, which is the same thing when I was looking at uh, possibly getting a Mac mini and one of these devices that would allow you to do a uh, to multiply the display port because out of the box, the Mac mini only can do two monitors. And I'm like, well, I need at least three. When you go through one of those devices, you can't do any of those DRM things. So, yeah, you can't watch Netflix on that monitor because it doesn't support the DRM. DRM's evil, but. When, when you're going by what you should do, you don't listen to me. I'm so dumb. I fletchered the show. I didn't even press record on the main recorder. It's good. We have two backups. So this show will go out there <laughs> and it'll sound just as good. But I realized Perfect. like three minutes ago, I'm like, oh, that main recorder is not running. So uh, don't go. I by threw me. you off by not having a pithy statement to start before the, the modem noise. I think so. I was like, oh, what should we do? Should I, though, they always have to remember the hitting the main recorder is important. But I guess not as important as running the the backup recorders, because that's always a vital thing to have. Do you even understand after after going through that entire rant? And I don't think I could bring it up again if, if I tried. But do you understand how much you freaked me out before you said, oh, well, you got a backup recorder? <laughs> yes. You're like, I just want you to know I hate you. I and fled- we should thank experts. I fledged this. Record. Hey, Servo says he's recording as well. So we have backups to the backups to the backups. Yes. And that a is backup good. and a backup to the backup and a backup to the backup to the backup to the backup. Yes. And we have a experts to thank. And my favorite type of expert is some young guy. That's his handle over on no agenda social. That's who, awesome. He is our executive producer on today's show. And not only did he donate, but he donated in a way that was educational because Ooh. he donated 33 Cardano as well as 15.752539 algo to show me the difference on how the speed is. And as far as the gas fees go, added up, they equal $71.15. But uh, he suggested throwing the algo wallet on the site. This is another cryptocurrency that I didn't really know much about, but it is one that Coinbase, it's available. So we have a wallet. So I gave him the algo wallet. He donated to that. 
He said, I'll go cheapest by far of any crypto he's encountered in gas fees. And one of the fastest, the algo transaction took around two minutes. And the uh, the ADA, the Cardano one took about seven minutes. The fee on the Cardano was twenty eight and a half cents. Granted, it was a little bit more in the dollar value, but the algo fee was point zero zero two. So it's uh, not even one cent. So like two tenths of one cent. Which you can't really beat that as far yeah, as a I, uh, that that's actually getting into the range of reasonable. Yes. And with it sitting in Coinbase for a couple of days, they pay you daily to have algo. It's a six percent. Oh, really? Yeah. APY. Uh, that's that's even better than the fees. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you let if you just let a bunch of this sit in the wallet and they said other wallets do pay more. But I thought this was decent. And then just letting it sit there, it will uh, it will kick that in as well. So I was uh, I was listening to one of the recent Sergene shows and uh, he was pointing out when he set up his lightning node, um, he ended up putting he he dropped uh, he, he he bought he spent one hundred dollars U.S. to convert into Bitcoin, to convert into Satoshi's. <laughs> To start up the lightning node. Right. And at the end of it all, uh, without taking into account fluctuations, uh, he had $62 remaining. Sounds about right. And and so 37% lost in fees just getting a lightning node put together. Um, This is this is uh, this is app store level. Uh, uh, Yes. How how can people call Bitcoin a currency? I, I, I'm sorry. That is that is too much. Uh, I, I'll hesitate to use the phrase "highway robbery," but until the fees come down to uh, credit cards, retailers complain about credit card fees, and they're usually in the five or six percent range, even a little it, lower. Now, I mean, you can even it, if you're it, not a. a it depends on merchant, the card. You can get them down to about three, which isn't horrible. Yeah, uh, but. Three three percent. You know what? Three percent is is the economy can still spin. 37% yes. and and you are I mean uh, that's that's a not a a fee that's a tax that is uh we, we have I'd rather stick with fiat currency because at least I know that there are some laws governing the oligarchs who are stealing 37% of my fiat every time I make a transaction uh and thank you income tax but in bitcoin there are no rules we've just they, they, I got to admit that the biggest thing that keeps me Bitcoin hesitant is that uh, you're right. It's it's not the big Wall Street banks that are fleecing everything you do and creating a massive drain on the economy by stealing a huge percentage of what you got. Instead, we've got a whole new set of digital oligarchs, the the miners, the people who got in early, who are fleecing everybody and taking more than a third of the entire economy for themselves. I'm sorry. Those fees are too damned high and you cannot have a functioning economy on it. And Bitcoin or crypto in general is not going to be a viable currency until those fees come down a lot. You cannot have free trade at over a third tax every time you make a transaction. It's information super highway robbery. Thanks, okay. Fletcher. That was Fletcher's line. I stole it because it was good. 
but I, I, I still blame you. That was terrible. The algo he sent was worth $16 and seven cents. And as I said, two tenths of a penny to send that. So that is, that's great because if you try to send $16 via PayPal, how, how many, how many pizzas can you get with the algo? Well, it, there's, it's 15.75. So the algo at this point are worth about a buck a piece. So, uh, you, you'd have to have multiple to get pizza. Pizzas are expensive. Now we ordered a large the other day and it was like 30 bucks. I mean, welcome to the yeah. Biden economy. Well, the, yeah, there's that. We, yeah. we go to a pizza place that, that they actually care about the quality of their pizzas. And so it's, it's never been your cheap Domino's fair or Papa John's. <laughs> but, <laughs> and you, you know what? You're right. Domino's is crap. But when you compare it to Papa John's, Domino's seems like this is the best pizza I've ever uh, had. Uh, Papa John's is is like uh, you you take motor oil with red food coloring in it, you smear it on a piece <laughs> of cardboard, and you add cheese. That I, that's not only what it tastes Fake like; cheese. it's what it looks like. It, oh, you're right; it's not real cheese. Anyway, that's about <laughs> right. That is about right. Uh, yeah, I like too that he pointed out that the transaction for the algo was shorter than it took to confirm my ID with the state of Ohio for income tax. I mean, wait, they want to they want to verify your ID, those hateful racist people in Ohio. But thank you. Some well, it's guy. not like he was voting. True. That would take even you don't even have to show anything for that. You just kind of show up and do whatever you want. But this is the kind of expert I enjoy where it's like here. Let me send you funds and show you how this works. I'm like, OK, can somebody else just confirm this works at like larger amounts? I mean, the $50 and $5 and 16 I mean, that was good. But can we multiply that by like 10 or 100 and see if that yeah, still yeah, I works? Actually, I, I, okay. I, first of all, great content. And I'm, I'm very happy that you brought it to the show. Thank you, Samyang Guy, for, for this wonderful demonstration. Um, but it was incomplete. I need to know what it works for with much larger transactions, it, how, how it works. Yes. I, I, need, I need to see if that demonstration still holds. So. It doesn't have to be the same person. If there's somebody else, another expert out there who can demonstrate, for example, in a, a transaction of, say, you know, the two to three Bitcoin range and see how those work. Yeah, we'd be willing to uh, talk about that on the show as well. Yes. <laughs> it's crickets uh, coming in at ten dollars. Our buddy Stanto with the note. Fuck cancer. I know he's been going through some stuff and hope he's doing Agreed. well. And uh, it's not a fun thing. It is not. A fun thing. I mean, I got to see a little bit with my mom going through it, although her side effects were very, very low. I mean, everybody she ran into seemed to think that uh, she just got really lucky over a uh, yeah. 12 weeks of this with not having any vomiting or anything. Just she was tired, but otherwise the the chemo didn't really kick her ass. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I can get behind the not vomiting thing. Yes. I, I, I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. That is the worst thing from having all the retinal surgeries and the gallbladder surgery was when they put me under with any normal, you know, the general anesthesia. It's like the, uh, the vomiting afterwards, not fun, which is why I ended up staying the night after the, the gallbladder. Cause I vomited uh, enough that my heart went into a yeah. So I mean, that's I, serious. I, and I had the same experience the last time that I ate Papa John's, the vomiting afterward, not fun. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, at least you had, wait, no, I was gonna say at least you had the enjoyable, uh, process of eating that, but now that I guess wouldn't be the case, but no, Santa, we hope you're doing well. And, uh, to answer net, net, my mom's doing very well. 
And uh, it just she she points it to her Polish tough heritage from uh, I mean, she forgets now because she had to go through the cancer surgery and go through all the chemo that I'm like, yeah, you, you're, you're forgetting that you had uh, the double bypass. And she's like, yeah, but that was like five days. So, you know, OK, you had the surgery and you had to be in the hospital. But, you know, big deal. And it's like, I don't know. I know <laughs> I've known some other people who've had that bypass that it had a, a pretty big effect on them afterwards so i mean it's, i mean it's good if you could just brush that kind of stuff off uh just something i hope i uh, never so, have, some, to have some people react better to heartbreak than others yes that is true and coming in at five bucks via check our buddy bill barnes and we appreciate everybody that has been supporting grumpy old bens for these 166 shows you are truly experts and we only have one guru so far that is when you get to a thousand dollars and that is mythos jay finley the Walkman of Buckeye he goes by many names, but he is a good dude. So I know he had back surgery and was recovering from that, too, which is never fun. So we hope he's doing well. But if you want to get in on the fun, grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. You'll find the donate button, which uses the evil PayPal, which you can use for a one time donation or monthly QR codes for Bitcoin, Ethereum for Cardano. And I need to add algo because I mean, low fees. I dig that. And, yeah, I'm cool with low fees. Yeah. And the P.O. Box address, if you want to go the snail mail route, they all work. We appreciate everybody for donating to this little show and for giving us your time and listening to the show, even though every now and then people on, uh, especially on No Agenda Social, were like, ah, you're so dumb. You don't know how VARES works. And then I sent them a link and they're like, oh, I guess you did. <laughs> the shortest argument I, I've ever had. Well, it, 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 and and. Okay. On, on the one hand, um, you know, we have, we have lamented that even no agenda social is, it has become big enough that it's starting to kind of look like a, 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 the standard large internet place where people just shout at each other toward each other and, and nothing. But I'll tell you what, to the credit of, uh, of the site, I guess, um, somebody when presented with real, information that refutes their point actually admitting their point was refuted that would never happen on twitter yeah it's a that rarity. would never happen on reddit which so, is we we can we, still have conversations and you I mean i we, know we still I'll, got even when we're shouting at each other we still got one of the best communities online yeah and you know what i'll, I'll make mistakes i mean hell i didn't even hit record on this show but i would like to know exactly where i mean if you're gonna say somebody's wrong especially in the way that it was because it wasn't just like Gee, I think you were wrong about this. It was like, oh, my God, this is laughable. And I'm just like, well, here's the link. Show me where I'm wrong. <laughs> you know, that's uh, well, I I mean, I your, your point on the last show that I, I do not concede was uh, that uh, theirs can have bad data inserted into it and therefore it's worthless. And the first part. Yes, you're right. It, it means that uh, don't make life or death choices based on a single anecdote in there. Right. Uh, but I don't think that it makes it useless. I just think that it means that you have to uh, practice the same kind of skepticism that you practice with all data that you find online, which is uh, don't assume that everything you see in there is a hundred percent correct and, and, and authentic. Yeah. And if I said worthless, that was a little bit strong to make a point because the database I'm sure is usable if you add logic to it. and then. For things that are way out there, you know, like the two year old got the vaccine 
and died, even though, you know, according to the drug companies, no two year olds have gotten it. If you then go do the research on this and go, because everybody that's submitting things left information about who it's about and all that. So you can then go track those things down. The problem is anybody can pull that data down and not be able to confirm this or don't care about confirming it. So, I mean, yes, there are uses to it, but like anything on the Internet, it's like your email. You do need a spam filter to make your email somewhat usable. If you don't have a spam filter, you know what it's like. Vares on its base without any kind of filters, very hard for the average person to make any heads or tails of the data. Now, once that data has been put through the correct filter that takes away the stuff yes. that's lies. Uh, you mean the fact checking filter? Yes. If it actually works, do we ever get a fact checking filter on anything? We, we don't works? have one that isn't horribly biased yet, but I'm sure that in, you know, there is the theoretical one that, that we could use that we hope would work. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. That is true. Um, um, I, I, I did, you know, you, you said two year old. I, I did want to mention just because it infuriated me. So I, I, I first saw this particular one. It was just a headline that John C. Dvorak posted. And, and of course, if he posted it, you know, it's true was, uh, the, the headline was that, uh, Pfizer is now moving to start trials on children from six months up to six years. And, uh, they then said, you know, and the first person, uh, to, to give consent has been injected already. And, the the very idea of a six month old child somehow being able to give consent or something like that, I, it just throws the entire concept of informed consent out the window. Well, it was probably parental consent, not child consent. Although you know, just, some of these parents have, have the mentality of a six month old as well. Well, and yeah. And the other stuff we're seeing already with children way younger than 18 that want to transition and that they're being told they can do whatever they want. Which uh, it's going to be a lot of interesting yeah. legal battles. And where- if there is true parental consent, then these are horrible, horrible parents for for getting them jabbed with the the untested mRNA crap. However, uh, OK, you know, the, then that's consent. But uh, there have also been places where the the local governments are saying things like, well, kids at school are are now allowed to get the jab without parental consent. Right. And, Which, and uh, that frightens the hell out of me yeah same here there's no way that should happen and of course we know why this is happening is because there is no bad mainstream media coverage of anything about the moderna or the pfizer jabs which is weird the they were more than willing to go all out on the johnson and johnson one which again i'm not a doctor but I believe that oh, is the, the safest of the three. Uh, not according to the Pfizer marketing team hit piece. Yeah. Well, you know, the fact that you're seeing zero negative and you're seeing this on, you know, the CNNs and MSNBCs like, oh, when they're talking about the Pfizer and Moderna, like, yes, no major side effects. None. My, my, Nobody's my ever under, had one. My understanding of the J&J, and I'm, I'm willing to acknowledge that I might, the nuance might be lost on me. My understanding of the J&J is that it is effectively the same process that is used to create the yearly flu shots. And therefore, uh, from a safety perspective, if you 
trust the yearly flu shots and you get those, then there shouldn't be any problem with getting the J&J. That is absolutely not true of the mRNA stuff from Pfizer and Moderna. Those are those are some untested shit that nobody who cares about safety should be getting until another four or five years comes by and we find out and everything sorts out about what this is going to do inside of people. Yeah, it's brand new technology. I was talking about that in the troll room the other day with Phipps, who is a coder dude and knows all that kind of stuff really well. And he's like, I do believe this is going to be the future of medication, but have we perfected it yet? That, that's, that's a fine. really, that's a big question. Uh, it's fine if that's going to be the future, but let's, let's, uh, let's know what the future looks like first. Let's try to have, uh, let's try to go in with our eyes open, not with, with a giant wall of propaganda and something where we cannot possibly understand the long-term side effects. Cause there's been no long-term. No, I mean, there's weird okay. stuff being pushed now including that it's the spike protein itself that's a, a toxin and it's like wait 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 we've been told for two years it's the same exact protein from the common cold so if that's the toxin why isn't the common cold just as well harmful? i don't know about you but when i get the common cold i don't feel so good so uh, that could be a toxin i don't know well, yeah but the spike protein itself then if you're saying i don't that, have any idea you know I, i'm not a scientist either but i just didn't understand how all of a sudden that i, I was am another but i haven't though. studied i haven't studied enough to understand that yeah the switch was flipped and uh you know at booty steed pointing out in the troll room you know that the vaccines are experimental that's true but everybody making that argument be ready in what the next year or so when they say they're no longer experimental because then that's not a uh, just just because the cdc comes out and finally says we've granted approval if if you still i mean that argument right there is an appeal to authority and if you still trust the cdc as an authority on anything after the last 18 months of bullshit then i've got a bridge to sell you Uh, i for me it is experimental right up until the point where an experiment has been finished and ideally replicated that has some real genuine scientifically verifiable results until then it's experimental because they're experimenting on people yes but i'm just saying don't use that as your battle cry because it's eventually going to be deemed perfectly fine and not experimental that's okay i've got about 40 other reasons right so so don't like don't hang your hat on that one and uh and then you'll be much better off. Go. Uh, but anyway, it, oh, I, I didn't. I didn't come here to talk about vaccines. I want to talk about zombies. Wait, doesn't one cause the other? <laughs> oh, I guess it depends. Are you not, talking not the zombie same computers or zombies? Like this should be uh, we, zombies uh, using computers. Actually, oh, wait. So actual uh, zombies? Th- is this, this? Are we getting in? On, oh, I know this you is, really this wanted new, to. You really wanted to step on rare encounters bit, right? A little bit. This is a new product that comes from Pengming Wook of korea and i probably butchered in his name and i apologize but he developed a robotic eyeball called a third eye that you can strap to your forehead while you're using a cell phone it has a uh, a tilt sensor and it has a proximity detector and it opens its eyelid whenever it senses that your head has been lowered to look at your smartphone and then the proximity sensor if you come within two meters an obstacle it beeps so that while you're staring at your cell phone you don't run into things. Uh, 
The quote from the article is, this is the look of future mankind with three eyes. As we cannot take our eyes off of our smartphones, the extra eye will be needed in the future. Interesting. I mean, I I don't think I've heard about this anywhere except on Boobery's show. Well, well, this is an actual product. It it created tongue in cheek by a Korean inventor saying people are staring at their damn smartphones too much while they're walking. So I'm going to sarcastically create a product to make them look like they. Yeah. Isn't that the best kind of product? The one you come up as a is it a lark like Dogecoin? (laughs) I have not seen any evidence that this has been sold yet. I, I look forward to it. I might even try to order one because this is fascinating. But uh, it, I, it's it's identifying a real problem of people walking around the street and even bumping into each other and things while staring at their smartphones uh, and, and coming up with one of the most awesome tongue in cheek ways of proposing to, quote unquote, solve it. Yeah, I want to see I want to see people in Korea walking around with a robotic eyeball strapped to their forehead now. It would be great. And if you want to hear more about that, obviously, the troll room is lighting up that behind the screams with Boobery and Lavish, I believe, uh, and a cast of millions, I'm sure, talked about this kind of stuff, which is, uh, you know, technology gone amok. But, uh, well, it probably has an app. Okay, well, if they covered it, then then forget it. You just erased the the last couple minutes from the main recording right out of the show. Yeah. No, I mean, no, we need something for uh, Abel Kirby to talk about. Oh, that's true. We, it's a Monday show, so we need to we need to give him something to talk about on Rare Encounter. No, he's got all of Tuesday's stories to to try to scoop us on, like Hagen does. Yes, you scoop like Hagen does. I'm like, I don't want Hagen does. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's probably better than Ben and Jerry's. Except but, uh, I, 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 by the a, a, hush, Ixnay on the a, a, the Abel Kirby, a, a, yeah, uh, a, because he li- it's this is a Monday show. He listens to this show, oh, right. and we can't tip him off that we're onto him. We, we only can talk about that on Friday. That's right. Uh, and yes. I did have a couple of links because I think we had an argument at one point and I came across this while doing. No, some stuff. I know when we were talking about the overall market share of Android versus iOS, because I think you thought it was low, fairly low iOS in the United States. And I think it's definitely below 30 percent, according to a stat counter. Which and there's multiple sites I found this on because I went down the rabbit hole. Then, according to Stat Counter, whoever they may be, iOS has a 58 percent market share. Android 41, which is of of what the the uh, mobile operating system used in the United States of America. United States, okay, yes, that not globally. Sense. So just the okay. United States. So I mean, iOS, as far as the world, I would agree with you is probably much much lower. But there was a uh, OEM market share. So this is on the phones being sold. This was another uh, graph I found on uh, phonearena.com, which I thought was really bizarre. So it's showing the phones as sold from December 19 through December of 2020. And December of 2020, Apple, of course, they released their new phones. So this they had a good end of year in uh, 2020. but. In December, for instance, of 20, so December of last year, Apple sold 64% of the devices in the United States, then 20% for Samsung. So 84% just between the two of them. The weird thing was the next one on the list was AG with 8%, and they just quit the cell phone market. 
LG. What's AG? LG. Oh, LG. Yeah, sorry, oh, okay. did I say AG? LG. And uh, they had 8%, which it's like, that's like minimalistic. Google came in at almost nothing for 2020, uh, for December, for November. So, I mean, I guess that would be the Google brand. It obviously Samsung uses Google. If you go back to like mid-year, like June, it was 45% Apple, 32% Samsung. So either way, between those two manufacturers, I, I didn't realize Samsung was that big. I knew they sold a lot of phones because you have one. I, I have yeah. one. My wife has one. Um, but it's like that to me. Was I, I don't surprise. know if it's still true, but for several years, Samsung was hands down the biggest manufacturer of mobile handsets. I mean, that world. may be the case. It's not something I've really followed that closely. But after Samsung and Apple, and I, then I LG, heard about it on Twitter. So it's been a few years. It falls down quite a bit. But uh, I mean, I was kind of surprised. It's like I would have thought it would maybe be. You know, Apple somewhere around that 40 to 50 percent. But it seems like they're actually over 50 in the, in the United States, which uh, I guess just shows people like to buy the really expensive lockdown phones. Which is weird. But I mean, I guess if you're in the Apple, see, but I don't know anybody that uses the Apple ecosystem for, you know, their desktop and everything else. So. uh Although it's, I mean, I guess people just like the iPhone. I don't know. Is it maybe it's just a status symbol that people look at a Samsung phone and like, yeah, not Apple. I, I, I think it. Well, I think it is. You don't, you don't pay three times as much for the same product unless you're doing it as a status symbol. True. So I will uh, put all these in the show notes because I thought that was a uh, an interesting thing. Because I mean, it's- and I w- while you were speaking, I was I was busy uh, duck 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 searching for uh, Android versus iOS and. Oh, okay. The the numbers that I got were similar to yours, but of course they were different because I found a different site, right. which the, the variability is still kind of incredible with these numbers. But well, yeah, because nobody I, wants to I mean, really, you're you're relying on sales numbers. You're relying on um, just like when they used to show yeah. you how many people visit a website. Usually you're taking like one search engine and seeing what the traffic is sent to them and they try to extrapolate from that. It's not perfect. Yeah, I I. I mean, it's all marketing numbers and you know how I feel about marketing. It's, it, it's kind of like, like the question of exactly how many people are listening to this show where, uh, last Friday we, we, we got a, a really big head about, uh, there, there were apparently over 200 people listening live and, um, we have reason to believe that not all of those were people. Some of them were just Biden voters. <laughs> Possibly 75 uh, right now, because, which is still pretty good. Because for uh, for the duration of that show and then the next uh, couple days, in fact, uh, one of the IceCast servers on the No Agenda stream ha- was was locked at about 200 listeners. And we're not sure if those were stale connections or if IceCast was just being weird. Uh, but upon rebooting, it went right back down to about 15, which uh, is pretty normal when when there's no live show going. Um, but. For both our show and No Agenda, I think there were uh, at least a hundred extra users that that shouldn't have been, that weren't real people. Yeah, you can always massage the numbers in one way, shape, or form. I and mean, we're we're just dying to get up there to No Agenda numbers. So make sure you tell all of your friends, even people you don't yeah, like, to stop listening to No Agenda. No, to listen to Grumpy Old Ben's. There's oh, more. that yeah, that would work too. Yeah, and they uh, you know because they're so involved in this podcast. 2.0 stuff. Adam Curry, Dave Jones, all the cool stuff they've been doing. They've been able to get a lot more stats. 
And they're still talking that, you know, maybe up to about a million downloads per show, which is pretty damn impressive, even if everybody's downloading it twice. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a big number. Um, it, it It is an impressive number, even for downloads. Uh, and, you know, again, though, my, my point, though, is is it's the only place where the analytics matter is when you are interacting with advertisers. And the only reason those matter is because there's an entire industry built up on knowing how many eyeballs you got for a particular piece of marketing. Right. They pay and, by the eyeball uh, you know, for, for the purse, for the purpose of the value for value model. Um, you know, how, how many people listen to Friday's show? Well, we had three experts donate. So those are, that's really the important number to me. And the, the rest of you, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to have people in the troll room. It, it's great for keeping my energy up, but y'all aren't donating. And what the hell? But cold acid is. So, I mean, he is and he's going on guru status. I mean, do you really that want is true? Do you want cold acid to get to be a guru before you? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. You can beat cold acid. Wait, could we do that? Could we allow people to beat cold acid? If they don't get to guru status, Dude, if we could sell that, we'd we'd hit, have so many new gurus. Oh. <laughs> People would be like lining up, be like cold acid. We're having a party in your honor. Come on over. No, don't worry about the wiffle ball bats. They're just they're just decoration. I've got a, a PSA real quick for uh, anybody in the UK who might be thinking about having any kind of of health care done. Um, the NHS is creating a new database. Uh, Oh, another called, government database. Well, uh, another actually, I don't think the NHS is creating this one, uh, but the digi- uh, the there is a uh, what is it called general practice data for planning and research. They are creating a research database that uh, will be used to uh, well, presumably to find out uh, to do data mining on on how well the NHS is doing. And I'm all for collecting more data. But what they are adding to this is data from surgeries and procedures added in real time, uh, including uh, post uh, going back and adding any records from up uh, from 10 years ago or later. Um, these will be used for quote planning and research purposes and will be collecting data about physical, mental and sexual health details of gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, and of course, about the procedure performed and its result. Uh, including follow-up information. Um, this sounds kind of innocuous. It doesn't sound super awful, except, um, well, the, the data will be given to, uh, to government researchers and to selected private sector companies who can uh, request a grant to get access to this data if they present a research reason. Um, they, they were quick to say, we're not going to give it to any company solely for commercial, commercial marketing, which I guess means you need another excuse other than right. commercial marketing. Right. Right. Yeah. You have um, to have at least something else. Added so to it. here's the problem with it. It's opt out. Um, patients, people in the UK have until the 23rd of June Whoa, to that's opt no out. That's not much time. And uh, they have until the 23rd of June to ex- tell that they are going to be that they want to opt out. And if they don't do anything by then, then their last 10 years of health information is going to be entered into a database that will be made public to anybody who wants to do research on this. 
And uh, not a lot of anonymize. They, they did not mention, at least, they did not mention anything about anonymizing data before handing it out. So uh, this could be kind of invasive. Uh, the NHS is actually asking for a delay until September for implementing this precisely because uh, not many people know about it. It's apparently not been big news, uh, I guess. For some reason, I guess the BBC is not really telling people about these sort of things. Who knew? They're not informing their re- listeners. Right. It should be uh, that or, every newscast for a week or a month. This is going yeah, to if, happen. But if you do that, people will opt out. And that's not what they want. Then they won't have the uh, data. And then uh, the the last thing they pointed out is that they're, uh, they are also having some problem with, with some GPs, which GP, I guess, general practitioner. Yes. Uh, I, I uh, some GPs are, in fact, refusing to hand over data because they say that their patients did not know about this and did not have an opportunity to opt out. So uh, I'm just dropping this in as a PSA. If you're in the UK, uh, you might want to look into your NHS data and see if 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 maybe you need to opt out of this or just find out what what it is that you're going to be losing access to or or giving over to corporations. It's information like this, which is why you listen to grumpy old Ben's, because while your government will hide it from you, we will shine the light on it. Yeah. You want to donate? I can tell. Yay, lights. Oh, (laughs) we will. We'll be back to do some more of this come Friday. And, you know, unless unless something else happens, I will come Friday. (laughs) Congratulations. With that said, until then. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where if you want the last 10 years of my medical information, you're going to have to fight my Sig Sauer. And from America's left coast, where the details of my gender, ethnicity and sexual orientation are solely for marketing purposes. I'm Ryan Bemrose. But what are they marketing to you? You don't want to know. 